Yeah. And I feel like that's why she's not developed because it's like she's, you know, she's not part of the main crew, right? Of uh, what do they call Midnight Raid? Yeah, you that say that, but she yeah. has more development than a lot of the main cast. <laughs> yeah, because the main cast gets killed. So wow, spoilers! Wow, spoilers! spoilers. <laughs> All right. everyone and welcome to anime club after dark the podcast that delves into all things anime manga and otaku culture related i'm your host alex but you can call me senpai and joining me tonight i have our czar of source material john we're running in the 90s <laughs> damn it our wizard of weight what Jenoda. i had chicken tendies for my meal of the day it was Did good you have some honey mussy your one some honey mussy with those tendies <laughs> yes oh mad and our chivalry okay. of Shota's Shotaro. I just woke up. What else is new? <laughs> Flawless. <laughs> All right. So before we actually get into what we're talking about tonight, I do have a bit of sad news. I do want to pass on to everyone. So back on August 25th, a legendary, absolutely legendary voice actress by the name of uh, Miyoka Asao passed away. Uh, she was 92, so she lived really full life. But she is actually she had been in the um, anime industry since 1949, I believe. God damn, Lord. Yeah, so she's. I mean, she's been in. She has been uh, basically a pioneer in the voice acting uh, industry in Japan. Um, probably the best known role that she ever had was for. I think 46 years she played the same character on Sazai-san. Um, that was she was the voice of Tarao uh, on Sazai-san. If you've ever seen it, um, it's probably one, it's, I think it is the it has the Guinness book. It, it is the Guinness World Record holder for the longest animated television series ever. Um, and it's been running. I feel cont- like we've we've talked about this before. Yeah, it's that that show's been running continuously ever since 1969. I I do believe. Wow. Um, and she's she was on that from its beginning in 69 until 2015 when she stepped down. Um, so I I I'm pretty sure that's probably also a record for the longest time anyone's ever voiced the same character. But anyway, um, if you if you're not aware of that, she's also um, she's played. If you've ever seen the sub of Full Metal Alchemist, she played Winry's grandmother there and that, and she's played a whole bunch of other minor roles throughout the years um, in Galaxy Express 999, in the Ancient Magus Bride, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, uh, Ranma One Hab. Basically, she's 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 been everywhere. Um, so I just I just wanted to kind of take a moment and just say that you know. It's kind of a shame that we lost her, but she was also 92, so it's hard to say that she lived, didn't live a full life. Um, and it's also worth mentioning that there are several other female voice actors that have directly credited her with getting them into the seiyuu industry in Japan, among those being Kanahanazawa and um, Aoyuki. So if you like those if you like those two girls, you definitely credit her for, for getting those two in. Um, anyway, so moving on, what are, what we're talking about tonight is, uh, strong, and I say this in air quotes, strong female characters in anime, manga, etc. Now, John, you're the one that actually proposed this topic, so I, I'm, I want to get your opinion on this. What exactly do, are we talking about tonight when we say a strong female character? Well, what I envisioned when I thought of this topic about a strong female lead was, Someone who had impact. Someone I would remember throughout an entire series. So they don't necessarily have to be like a main character. They can be side characters or someone who's impacted the protagonist of a anime or a manga to the point where it's like, wow, that person was so memorable. They they helped the main character grow in some aspect. Gotcha. So we're not we're not necessarily talking about characters that are uh physically strong or mentally strong or even both just necess- characters that left some kind of an impact on you while you were watching it yeah and it, it kind of came to me because i was thinking wow there's not a lot of anime where there are a lot of strong female leads 
rather there are a lot of anime with strong female oh i say i should say female leads not strong female leads but uh <laughs> cough very <laughs> tell cough that that's just i couldn't remember except a handful of women in anime where i was like i totally know who this character is they left such a great impact on me um one of them being like revy from black lagoon and i get that she's part of the main cast but it, it it's you know, if you've ever seen Black Lagoon, it focuses mainly on Rock and his experiences and how he transforms people around him and how he, he actually becomes transformed by his environment. Uh, Revy being directly affected by that, how she starts off as like this kind of broody, staunch, like I'm kind of just a badass chick that's going to fuck everyone up to actually caring about shit and thinking about her future and caring about Rock. And it, it really left a big impact on me. In part that, I mean, yeah, Revy's like the poster girl for the entire show, right? And Black Lagoon actually has a lot of strong females, which is very surprising. Because each one does have a lot of impact. Like, you'll remember each one that you meet. And they're not, other than Revy, I I would say, they're not main characters. But they do have, like, kind of their own arcs. Um, Other examples from Black Lagoon would be, like, Balalaika. Uh, She's, you know, she's just this Russian girl. They actually give her, like, a backstory and stuff, but she's just this, like, she's a mob boss, and she's a fucking beast. Oh, my God. It, it is so cool when she actually, like, goes into action and just, uh, I'm not sure if anyone else but Alex here has seen Black Lagoon, but you remember the twins arc? Yes. And they have to kill Hansel and Gretel? That was my Gretel? favorite arc. Oh, and with Balalaika at the end, when it's, it, there's this entire arc where, you know, you know Balalaika when she's first introduced as she has a scar on her face she's some ex-afghan fighter from russia and she's seen shit you know she's had a bomb blow up on her and she's still fucking going around shooting she's a boss ass bitch yeah and and then at the end uh, something that really happened or something that really impacted me that happened was how she she just plans everything meticulously to capture these people that are hunting her own people down and and how she just sings them to sleep at the end without like just moving a finger at all she doesn't go into a fit of rage for them killing her people she just calmly and coldly kills them or kills one of them with a sniper and she's just like looking at him with dead eyes and i'm just like this this stone cold bitch scares me (laughs) like i can't forget balalaika is this badass and she has another role to play later on in the in the series to show more of like how she doesn't give a shit you know she she just gets shit done it's fucking great yeah i think it also helps speaking of black lagoon as like in their portrayal of being actually strong characters it really helps is how strong their introductions are i mean if you look at all the female characters in black lagoon pretty much they all have really great uh character introductions and i think that really goes to to serve that impact that you talk about yeah it's like uh every single of the females i guess females (laughs) females <laughs> the girls that are introduced in uh, black lagoon they all have really like this is a new boss type of <laughs> intro it's like who we unlocked now meta ridley <laughs> <laughs> that's God. a really good way to describe how i like it though i know and uh, and another girl from black lagoon who has her own even like ova is roberta and when she's introduced you just see her as, like, some maid, and you're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. But then when they get to the climax of, like, this maid is a fucking monster. She's the bloodhound. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And they even flesh her out even more by giving her an OVA arc, Roberta's Blood Trail, which is great. You should watch it if you like Black Lagoon. If you've never seen Roberta's Blood Trail, watch it. It's really good. It dives into her backstory. You learn more about how she became a soldier. And she's just so badass. And there's a lot of character growth which really impacted me as well because uh, one of the things that Black Lagoon does is when they introduce these new badass girls, they're kind of just throwaways like Ava or um, whoever that Thai chick was, the one with the blades. I don't remember her name. Oh, I forgot her name too. Yeah, because see, she's like kind of there, but she's kind of not. And they do have a lot of these throwaway characters. Ava is pretty impactful to the story, but they don't really dive much into her. But Roberta, I thought she was just going to be another throwaway, you know? But when they did Roberta's Blood Trail, I was just, like, amazed that they would even consider fleshing out this character. It was just very impactful. Yeah. Um, what about you, Show? What When you think of a strong female character, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So, 
when someone says a strong female character, I think aggressive and like basically a masculine female character because being strong is a traditionally masculine trait. Um, not that that's bad or anything, but um, the thing is that a lot of female characters in anime and manga are masculine and aggressive and confrontational and like violent. <laughs> Like yeah, like the uh, the Yankee trope of a Yankee girl, right? Or even like the Sundere trope. Like most, like a lot, or the Yandere, or like just like most girls are really aggressive. Or you can <laughs> even, you can even uh, apply that to Gyarus. They're a lot like that too. Yeah, delinquent types. Yeah, yeah. Tropes. They're all tropes. Well, and I mean that's a part of anime that I really like is that. I find that the traditional Western gender roles are often swapped in that like women are super aggressive and a lot of men are super submissive, which I find interesting, or at least for like for a while, sometimes it, it gets tired over a time, but it's interesting for a while. But the um, that's not really uh, that's not really a very exclusive sort of categorization if you take strong female characters to mean, like, aggressive. So I interpreted this uh, topic to mean good female characters, <laughs> which is very uh, a very exclusive uh, demographic in anime and manga because I don't see a lot of good female characters. And what I mean by good is, like, you know, well-written they have development, they have nuance, they feel like actual peoples, not tools. They, they're they like an actual well-written person and not like a plot point. And they have a purpose to the story, right? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't really care if they have a purpose to the story. I just, I care if they're <laughs> believable as characters. Um, so would you say like S-Death? Is she a, a powerful character? She's a strong female character. I wouldn't say she's a good female character. Okay. In the in the sense that she doesn't really have any development. She's a bad bitch at the beginning and she's a bad bitch at the end. There's no progression. Um she's very likable and endearing and I love her. Um but she doesn't really grow or there's not really too much nuance in her character. She's sort of like a gimmick, which I I I'm fine with, but there's like there's only so far you can go. So that's actually very interesting because um she's not a main character in that entire series. You know she's kind of just this antagonist that kind of exists mm-hmm. for the sake of the story. Yeah, and I feel like that's why she's not developed because it's like she's you know she's not part of the main crew, right? Of uh what do they call Midnight Raid? Yeah, you that say that, but she yeah. has more development than a lot of the main cast. <laughs> yeah, because the main cast gets killed. So wow, spoilers! Wow, spoilers! spoilers. <laughs> All right, if, if Kami got killed, everyone dies. Come on, everyone knows this. It does oh have kill gosh. in the title, so wow, I mean, wow. Anyway, uh, I mean that, that's that's I think that's a fair a fair assumption of what you, how you lay out a, a strong female character. What about you, Chinoda? For me, it's someone that stands out like someone who really stands out gets shit done can be badass about it or not but it's someone who just stands out uh in the said world whatever we're watching or reading it's someone who i'll remember who leaves an impact whether they matter to the story or not okay so kind of similar to what i was saying yeah 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 it's it's, it's the more impact about, it's more about the, the impact yeah. than the actual portrayal so most of the time then like if you can remember this character down the road it's like that was a really good that was a really good character yeah that's how it is for me personally okay okay well i have sort of a combination of of beliefs about this between what john said and what show said um and I, i can actually give a really good example of why of a character that sort of exemplifies this so in in soul eater you have maka albarn who is I find it really fascinating because she she is the lead character, the main character in a shonen, which is clearly um, being marketed toward young men. And you don't really, first of all, you don't really see a lead female character in shonen very often. But it's also she plays sort of this fish out of water, where like she's 
she's good at what she does, but not so good that it's unbe- unbelievable or like, you know, hard, you know, unrealistic. Um, and that she's surrounded by men who seemingly do what she does a lot better, but she's always constantly trying to make herself do better because of that. And I think that's the reason that she sticks in my mind so much as a good, strong female character. And it's not necessarily that she's the strongest female in the show. She's not. But it's because of the fact that she overcomes all of her own shortcomings and realizes that she has these shortcomings that makes her a strong character to me. Now, I, I feel like that's only the case because of her weapon, Soul, because he makes such a big impact on her as well. And he's integral to the entire story and her building her self-esteem and like overcoming Their whole these partnership. obstacles. Yeah. So is it is it is she strong because of Soul, because of his impact and literally the dynamic of every other friend, I guess, like uh, Kid Soul or that where that what was his name the the guy with the death pistols, the kid. a death, death the kid. The kid, yeah, with his symmetry and his not yes. symmetry, it was so weird. It but was. it's like the the entire show has a cast of like um, I I guess they're not main characters, but they play a big role in uh Maka's world, right? They're yeah. always around her, and they're always adventuring with her, and they're always overcoming obstacles, either alone, but then they come together, and then unify, and then, like, we need to stop this thing, right? And it's just, to me, the entire show, they all have super strong characters. They have, they're just all eccentric. They're all unique, like that freaking ninja kid who fucking sucks. Kid Star. Right? Black Star. Most Black annoying Star. person yeah. Yeah. in the world. Nara, basically, Naruto <laughs> with blue hair. Oh, God. And, and I feel like that's why... Maka sticks out because she's not as eccentric as these other characters. She kind of plays as a foil to everyone. And she's kind of normal everyone plays compared to everybody else. Yeah, and it, it does make her stick out more like that. There is more of an impact of like, look at this other girl who's actually trying hard though in this world full of fucking crazy dudes. Yeah, who don't really have to try that hard to be very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say that yes, they definitely help uh put her out there more but i think inherently she is a strong character of her own uh will like we have seen how she grows up from like just a small child uh into a actual badass that's why yeah certainly by the end of the story um i would say though going back to your question you had i would i would honestly say that she she strengthens herself for the people that she surrounds herself with that's like where she gets her strength from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's I just, it's so weird. It's so weird with Soul Eater because you don't see, you, there's so few shonen that have a female uh, main character, and that's why it sticks out so much, I think. Fairy tale. Okay. But <laughs> that's fairy not. tale kind of sucked. <laughs> Lucy's not really a main. Uh, no, no. The entire. She's the point uh, of view character for the most of the show. Yeah. I thought she was true. just fan service, and that's. Damn. Like, I mean, there's wow. the main problem <laughs> with the show. Hey, you know what? I love Lucy with her super. What? what? See, I don't even remember her skill. Was it keys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was celestial keys. Summoning I celestial believe. keys. What's yeah. your horoscope? <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling Aquarius. Stop. Stop. Okay, let, let's get to her in a bit. Let, yeah, let's get uh, yeah, let, let, let's talk about Soul Eater Not, the spinoff that no, never was. Oh my let's, god. Let's never, <laughs> ever, let's never ever talk about that again, and let's pretend it never happened. Ever. I remember reading the uh, the very first chapter of the manga, I believe, that came out of Soul Eater Not, and I was like, what is this horse shit? <laughs> what is this super tropey? I'm late to school. Blah, blah, blah. Fall down these stairs. Ha ha. Call back to Soul Eater 1. Get it? And uh-huh. I was like, no. I'm I'm cool. Fucking finished the Yuri bait trash ass oh, hat. What, Yuri? Yeah, Ellie turns into it about halfway through. Who's yeah, what's the ship? Right. What we mean what's the ship? Who are the two women? The two the two main girls. I would you like to watch move on. I don't, don't care. <laughs> I did no watch Soul no Eater. One, no one cares about Soul Eater not. Oh man. Right. But the, the the thing that you mentioned about Maka, I think also applies to a character like Akko from Little Witch Academia. It's funny that you say that because I believe Akko isn't a strong female lead. Wait, what? Like, really? Okay. So so my my entire time watching Little Witch Academia, it's that it's just, it's a run of the mill story of your starry eyed 
like head in the clouds girl who wants to make it in some fantasy world that she doesn't obviously belong in and she overcomes trials and tribulations through friendship and magic you know very similar to my little pony if i'm being completely honest and i i am not a brony but i love the show up to season up to season three i loved it and four or five let's not talk about (laughs) my little pony's also ending by the way guys um so that's a thing Allow but me to hold back it's my It's still tears. going on? <laughs> right? That's what I said. <laughs> anyway, uh, and to me, in Little Witch Academia, uh, someone who had more of an impact, because to me, Akko is pretty tropey, right? Your typical shoujo character girl who's just trying to become a, a mage and just be all happy, and she's just a freaking dunce, right? <laughs> she's klutzy fucks up everything but she has a heart of gold guys she'll make it i'm just like this is this is not impactful i've, I've seen this a billion times over what makes aqua more unique and you know i actually love um everyone else in little little witch academia more than aqua because i'm like they're tropey but at least they're funny to me i guess um but I don't even remember the teacher lady, the the one who inspired Akko. She has way more of an impact to me. Shining Chariot? St- Shining Chariot oh, wow. has so much more of an impact. And it's so tropey. It's like, yes, you were amazed by Shining Chariot. And she's this super amazing witch that's trying to spread magic and love to everyone. Everyone should love magic. It's great for the world. I'm like, that is impactful. I want to see more of this. And I get that Little Witch Academia is more about the... um following the story of Akko and and coming to the you know a coming of age ceremony for her basically so she can graduate into a witch and spread magic and joy across the world i get it i love little witch academia right don't get me wrong i just don't personally believe Akko is a very strong female lead she doesn't have very much impact she's very plain and boring until and then you just have to like watch her grow up and then when she finally grows up you're like yeah that was all right that was okay it's not like she turned into a, a an alicorn princess or anything. Twilight Sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, do you think that she still like satisfies that whole uh, fish out of water thing, where yeah, like there's but... so many people around her that are way more uh, adept at what she's trying to do than she is. Yeah, but they have so many other characters that I cared more about, like Machine Girl, who's like, you know what? Fuck magic. I'm just build robots. I love robots. And I was like, or, that's so cool. Or Susie, who's like, nah, I'm just going to poison everyone to just satisfy yeah, my own curiosity. I just like, Susie's the Susie best. Susie is She's best literally... girl. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, all the girls around her just seem so much more interesting than Akko. Just so much more. I, but I, I fair to say. I do get that Akko is supposed to be the lead. And I get she, it's just not a lot, lot, not a lot of impact, right? Just what is what? What's the difference between this and an, a, another typical Maho shojo, right? Well, I guess they're not Maho eh. shojo; they're witches. Actually, well, I they, think they do. They're they're girls that do magic, so that kind of that ticks the two boxes for Maho shojo. <laughs> I yeah. think most of the secondary cast is more uh, tropey than Akko. I think Akko has the has a really well-portrayed personality, um, especially because of the voice actress. It's like, a lot of other Maho Shoujo's, they're very, very, like, stale in voice acting and personality. Like, Akko is more, like, flexible and organic. She feels more... She feels like a real person. Um, okay. So that's... I think that's the best part about... Little Witch Academia is that there's a lot of organic chemistry and voice acting and personality. Um, yes, if you like boil it down to the basics, she is a trope. Like, what isn't a trope? But uh, to me, it felt refreshing. So okay, I mean, like I said, I do agree. Everything in the show, even the side cast, they're all tropey as shit. But I just found them a lot more interesting than Aqua when I first saw them because I'm like, look at that. Like again, Mechanic Girl. I don't even know her name. I just remember she likes building shit. And then she makes that super broom. That was super cool. Right. (laughs) It's like, how, how did you do this? I get that. It's supposed to be like, oh, it's because she's a fucking mech whiz, mech whiz wizard. And I was like, I don't, this is so cool. (laughs) Like, Like, why don't we get more of them? Because they're not the main character. Akko is. And we have to go through her entire journey. You know, I'm just, I just want to say, based on what I heard at Otakon, we could get more of that if only people showed enough interest for Netflix to greenlight a second season. 
All right, let me go watch it a thousand more times. No problem. And Just the movies. Put it on the background. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I mean, I, I definitely see where you're coming from with Akko, though. Um. So I, I want to move on to to another point. So especially in the last couple years with the new Star Wars uh, sequels that have come out, there's been this huge debate about Mary Sue characters. So I wanted to ask you guys in the like the anime and manga etc. realm, do you guys think that there's actually a definable line between a character being considered a strong female character and a Mary Sue? All right, before anyone says anything, I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah, oh, you don't know what a Mary Sue is. No, I do not know what a Mary Sue is. Okay, so a Mary Sue, hold on, I'm going to actually pull up the definition. Uh, okay, wait, Urban hold on, hold on. Remember uh, Ray from Star Wars? Ray, Ray. I, I've never seen Star Wars the, again. Okay. Oh, uh, so yeah, this, that's right. This Fuck, is the, never mind. This is the dictionary <laughs> definition of a Mary Sue character. A Mary Sue is an idealized and seemingly perfect fictional character. Often this character is recognized as an author insert or wish fulfillment. They can usually perform better at tasks than, they, than should be possible given the amount of training or experience and usually are able through some means to upstage the main protagonist of the story. Oh, okay. So they're See? like a Gary Oak. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay, yeah. you could have just said that. It's like Mary Sue is like a Gary Oak. Like, oh, okay. The speaking of which, is... speaking of which, the male version of a Mary Sue is called a Gary Stew. <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Also, fun fact: the term Mary Sue originates from Star Trek fan fiction. Wait, what? Okay. All right. So, I I guess, uh, is there a definable line between being considered a strong female character and a Mary Sue? Again, this boils down to this. Do they have an impact? Or were they literally ex machina into the story to prop up the protagonist, right? Like, um, let me pull an example from uh, Mega Man, which is, I, I, it's not female, I know. But in Mega Man, Mega Man, when, was it Zero? Was it Zero? No, X? Ah, fuck, which Mega Man was it? I don't remember. I am, I'm not running on very much sleep. Um, when you play as Zero, you meet um, Vile. And Vile just whoops your ass, right? And then, I believe, X comes out of nowhere and just beats the shit out of, uh, beats the shit out of Vile. And you're just like, whoa, what the fuck, dude? And it's like, yeah, you could totally be him. You can totally beat the shit out of Vile. And then, like, as you progress through the game, you just get more and more similar, similar to X. You get, like, the same parts and stuff. And X exists only to boost the protagonist, which is Zero. I believe that's what it was. I don't remember. This is from Mega Man, a video game that I played a long time ago, and I'm very tired. <laughs> okay. What was the point of that tangent? <laughs> the point is that John is very tired, and we should I am very forgive tired. That, that was the exact point. For his rambling. No, the, the point is that the Mary Sue is there, is not supposed to be a strong female lead. It's supposed to prop up the strong female lead. They're a support. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Okay. So... Okay, I, I see what you're saying then. Like they, um, they act as like checkpoints of progression, just like how Gary Oak act, acted as a checkpoint of progression for the main character, right? The yeah, Red was that the main character's name in the game? And the first in the first game, yeah, yeah. That that's how I feel about it. Okay, well, I I bring that up because there was an example I thought of when I was when I was thinking about thinking this through, and that's a character called Birdie Seafon Altira from Birdie the Mighty Decode. Now, okay. you you. You eventually learn that she's not a Mary Sue at all, based on her backstory. Once you know, once you get past the halfway point, um, but she's presented as a Mary Sue when you first meet her, and like it's it's they don't even try to hide it. Basically, like there's there's literally nothing she can't do. There's nothing that she can't think about. It's like she she can literally do it all, um, and there's no explanation ever given as to why until you get past the halfway point and you look into her backstory. And a lot of people point to that specific instance like because you have to wait so long to find this out that she actually is a mary sue because you have to trudge through to the halfway point to find that out i don't think so but it's a compelling point that's made because like how long do you have to wait to like show that these these female characters had to work to get where they are for them not to be considered a mary sue interesting i think it's a personal call honestly on that and i'm sorry sure go ahead oh no you you continue i'll do it later Okay. Um, I personally think it's a personal call. Uh, when it comes to uh things like that, like 
if you have to wait, like, why do you have to wait in the first place? You shouldn't have to wait so ridiculously long. Maybe, uh, like, sure, it doesn't have to be very first episode, but maybe three, four episodes in, you should, uh, at least have a glimpse of it. If you have to get to the halfway point, it is a bit ridiculous. But at the same time, if you're, if you wait for it and the payout is actually good, then is it worth it? I think I mean, that's, it's, that's the question. Yeah, I think uh, personally, it it just depends on the person. That's uh, my thought on it. Show, go ahead uh, with whatever. Well, okay. Well, I was thinking that like Birdie is the main character of the show, right? Yes. So I was thinking that it's it's easier to have a self-insert Mary Sue character as the main character, but when the female is uh, not the main character, can they even be a Mary Sue? Like, I find it very difficult for it to be a Mary Sue when it's not that the is, main. That's actually, that's a really good question. And can like, a non-main a, character be a Mary Sue? A lot of the good female characters that I'm thinking of are not main characters. They're side characters. So I don't even know if they would even be a Mary Sue. But... Going on that line of thinking, um, I just thought of like Overlord, which is super over the top, and maybe that's the point of the entire uh show slash novel. But like most of the characters in Overlord are self insert, like including Albedo, who is uh who is a side character and a female. Who is and I, think I thought you were is... just gonna say who is Albedo. <laughs> Albedo, she, who she is would be considered Albedo. a Mary Sue. Just because she's just overpowered. She's just, like, everyone in the um, Overlord main cast um, of Nazarek is just perfect and can't be, can't be, there's nothing really wrong with them, so, and they rub it in everyone else's faces, so. Alright, that, that's because they were created by the 41 Supreme Beings, okay? <laughs> so. uh-huh. Oh my god. <laughs> No, no, I completely understand what you're talking about because it's. But I think <laughs> I I think Overlord is like an exception because I think that's kind of the point. Like it's going over the top on purpose. Um, but I think in most anime and manga, like if it's not the main character, it's gonna be hard for it to be a Mary Sue. So that's okay. interesting. You that that we bring this up because uh, if you've ever seen, uh, there's an anime called Michiko and Hachin, and it's like. Uh, it was super weird when I first saw it. Um, it's about minorities in South America that are Japanese, but also like South American. Kind of weird, right? And uh, we, we have our main character who is Michiko, and she's this like super badass chick, right? She doesn't take no shit from nobody, smokes cigarettes, rides around a scooter, and just beats the living shit out of people. And um, someone who's her Mary Sue would be um, Atsuko, one of her childhood friends that she grew up with in the orphanage. And Michiko has led a life of crime, whereas Atsuko, she grew up and became a police officer. And throughout the entire series, it seems like Atsuko looks like an idiot compared to Michiko, right? But when you look at Atsuko outside of Michiko, without her there, she's actually very intelligent and actually um, can, can she gets shit done. Like, she'll take down bad guys no problem. But it's only when they actually collide in the story that it seems like this person who used to be perfect is just here to make Michiko look better. You know what I'm saying? Like, Michiko's a stronger female lead than um, Atsuko. Atsuko Jackson. That's what, That was her last name. I was bugging me for a bit. I couldn't remember <laughs> her last name. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that, that's a good point, and I, I actually agree with you on that. Um, and Michiko and Hachin is a really weird show, but you should definitely watch it if you haven't. I liked it. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. Yeah. It was uh, it's bad. Made made by the same person who uh, made Yuri on Ice. No way. Yes. Really? Sayo Yamamoto. Feel okay then. <laughs> uh, uh, let's not sing. All right. All right. <laughs> um, but that does that kind of leads me into my next question because um, and we, we've already kind of have talked about this a little bit, but do do female characters, whether they're main characters or not, do they have to be developed? have to develop independently to be considered strong or could they perhaps develop through other characters either male or female characters and still be considered just as strong as if they had developed independently okay i feel like (laughs) oh (laughs) first of all just because you're not the lead character doesn't mean you can't develop independently 
Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can have your own side arc. Yeah, I feel like um, how do we define strength first and foremost, <laughs> right? Like there are a lot of strong female characters. Uh, an example I'm gonna pull that I did not write down is the mother for the main character in Erased. She's actually oh, yeah. yes. mentally strong. Right? Very, and, very and much so. We don't learn a lot about her, but we see how she cares for her son throughout the entire series. And all we know is that she is a single mother raising her son, and she is so strong. Like, a like, really good mother. That woman is a true badass. Yeah, yeah. And, and she wasn't really developed. All we saw was just how she treated the main character, and that was it. She was well, I mean, just that, that's a mom. The, that, that's kind of the point, though. She, de- she her, All of her development came through her interactions with, with other people and primarily through her son. Because her son... I mean, she she is the catalyst for what starts all of Erased, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, ah, what a disappointing manga and anime. <laughs> <laughs> the ending sucks. Disappointing, but it did give us some great characters. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... She's she's one of the best mothers ever in anime, in my opinion. Um, I do remember... Um, I believe it was Marcus that... When he was still on the podcast, he was saying that he wasn't impressed by her because he actually was like, my mom is exactly like that. And I was like, that's actually very interesting because my mother was never like that. Not not this strong. I, I really liked uh, Okasan. Okasan. Um, well, juicy lips. Kind of, kind of uh, rolling off the back of that, there's another single, well, she's not actually a single mother, but she is a mother figure. Um Akari Kawamoto in March comes in like a lion, who is is a badass because she's a very strong, again, not an actual mother, but a mother character because her parents died and she's having to raise her two sister, younger sisters pretty much by herself. Yeah, she does have her grandfather helping her, but it's not exactly the same. And almost all of her, de- I, I would say 90% of her development comes through her watching her raise her sisters and her interactions with the main character, Ray. I have uh, no oh. clue. <laughs> Wait, you haven't, watched, you so, haven't watched March come back lion, have you? No, I haven't, so I have no clue who you're talking I know, I know who you're talking about. It's the older sister character. I know exactly who yeah. that is, but I've only seen the first four, three or four episodes of the first season of March comes in like a lion. But again, she didn't have that big of an impact on me because at the beginning you kind of just get introduced to her and she's like, yeah, I play the mom character in this show. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Thank you, Onesan, who is now Okasan? Technically? <laughs> so are you it, saying it, that uh, she's good because she has to interact with the other characters? I'm saying that she's good through her interactions with the other characters. I see. It's be- it, like when you see her motherly instincts, it's like, wow, this, is a, like, this would be a really good mother to have. I think she's definitely one of the better or best portrayed mother characters in anime. You don't, like, go too deep into uh, parenthood in anime. That's I think she's very a good true. one. Did There's only to... a couple of anime that really do that, unfortunately. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Because it's, it's the, not constraints. the... Parents are not the main demographic. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> They're always somewhere uh, in, like, America some for some reason. Always overseas. I think, was that like throwing shade at the low birth rate? <laughs> I don't know. It's just, yeah, we, we've talked about this before where there are not a lot of parents in anime. It's kind of weird, right? Very yeah. weird. But then again, parents in anime kind of suck because it's not about you. It's about your middle school kid that looks like a high schooler or a high schooler that looks like a middle school kid. <laughs> or a fucking loli that says she's 40. Oh, God. What was that? The fucking shitty one that came out last Literally year. Literally any anime ever. <laughs> yeah, um, that was um, Masamune-kun's Revenge. Yeah, Masamune-kun's Revenge. God, that show was terrible. <laughs> I, I I never finished that. I watched two episodes like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> See you next year. All right, shall we move on? Yeah. Yes. Um, so really, the, the last question I really had about this, it might actually be the best question to ask. Are the portrayals of exceptionally strong female characters in anime, manga, etc. Are they are they necessarily realistic, or do they have are they just fulfilling an idealized fantasy? All right, so Ooh. yes, yes and no. Um, if you look at Black Lagoon, 
the women in Black Lagoon are obviously just fantasies of the uh, the main guy, the guy who creates. It. I forgot his name. Oh my, oh my god, I'm blanking me right now. But uh, it, like these type of women to live in these conditions and become this badass and just basically the entire town of Ranapur is just scared shitless of literally like four girls in the entire city. It, it just it really is it panders to this fantasy of there is a super strong woman strong independent don't take shit from no man kind of woman in this world of like lawless thugs right and you're telling me a a fucking nazi boat full of like 50 nazis could not take on one chinese american girl with a grenade launcher they all had like (laughs) machine guns and shit and she just walks on the boat and just walks through she literally has music playing and walks through and kills everyone like it's like she has a soundtrack to just badassery yeah and i i get that she's supposed to be like you know a walking storm that's the entire appeal of revy but it's just that's so unrealistic i love black lagoon but come on come on <laughs> what about what about characters like um the major and ghost in the shell or dunan and apple scene all right so i put down Matoko Kusanagi. Kusanagi. <laughs> AKA Major from Ghost in the Shell as a strong female character because she isn't someone who's like overpowered or anything, like in a bunch of shows that I, I mentioned, like in Black Lagoon. <laughs> or uh Michiko, who's like just a super gangster. Uh she's just very level headed. She's very snarky, witty. Um she has a pretty funny sense of humor. I, I love how um the American voice actor for Major talks and just interacts with everyone like she's not overly serious when she doesn't have to be she can goof around but she's also very mature about everything it seems like she's a lot more mature than her displayed age i would say it's like it's it's like she knows she knows when she can lower her guard and she knows when to pull the reins back in yeah and this is just a very level-headed individual which is extremely realistic to me there are a lot of level-headed women in military positions of like you know high-ranking military positions or just high-ranking positions in general they don't yeah so something that you see in anime is like a lot of these uh let's say strong women like you know the super smart ones or the super fierce ones or whatever they're always lone wolves right they always are like the ice queen and they stand at the top like disparaging everyone around them but it, that doesn't have to be true that's super tropey you know what i'm saying yeah and that's why i love the major she she's just like yeah dash that i'm not an ice queen i'm just a real fucking person like i love you major marry me <laughs> and um speaking of so dunan dunan newt from Appleseed, which is another sci-fi mecha thing that's super old it's like what 2004 no, 2004, no, 2005, I think, yeah. Uh, that was the uh, Appleseed movie. Um, it, it comes from an OVA back from, like, the 70s, I believe, or something. It's old. Appleseed's it's, old. It's really old. But uh, Dunan is uh, a main character who is also super relatable. Uh, when you first meet her, she's just, like, this unstoppable warrior chick that's just kind of like, I'm going to kick everyone's ass. And she does, and she's super cool. But uh, the more you learn about her past, you learn that she just grew up in harsh conditions in war. And her father was a commander or something like that, a captain. He, he was a high-ranking official or something or a researcher. I forget. But she, she actually builds her character. And um, through rigorous training and the loss of very many friends, she becomes who she is. This, like, absolute badass that feels like she can't be touched. But she still has a, um, a rationalized side that's connected to um, Berarios, one of her, um, her lover slash dad's friend guy, bodyguard kind of weird thing he's also a cyborg i i really it's can't explain lot. to you apple seed it, it's a lot it's like, but it's like she's in love with a mech and <laughs> yeah and it's just you you've got to watch the the two movies that i'm thinking of to really get a feel for dunan so you you can know what happens before she becomes this like super badass army chick to afterwards and how she grows as a person who's like instead of thinking of um only in war terms once she becomes hardened she still softens up over time and can re-enter society. It's very realistic for like someone who's who's been in a very traumatic experience and tries to readjust. And she has like breaks, and it's just super crazy. I, I like Appleseed. Appleseed's really good. <laughs> I actually there's there's a character that I can I can sort of relate to that with. Um, so Riza Hawkeye in Full Metal Alchemist. 
so she comes off when you when you first introduced her. She's a fuck. She acts like a fucking badass. But you also find out as as the story goes along that she definitely has a soft spot, especially for Roy Mustang. Um, and that's because what she's been sort of. Well, I think at first she was forced to basically protect him from himself. But over over time, she kind of became really comfortable in that position. Um, and it's like you look at you look at Riza, and then you look at, at Roy, where. Roy Mustang is like really emotional and he kind of thinks with his heart and he just goes in guns blazing. Like Riza is the one that pulls him back and she's like the she's like the logical pendulum for well, him. Riza Riza is the back. foil to Roy, right? They come as a pair. Then yeah. in the entire show that they're introduced. Like she's supposed to be like that it's like that on purpose. And I yeah, she's a strong individual, I'd say. Um I'd say Roy had a much bigger impact on me than she did. Well, yeah. She, she, again, they come as a pair. It's a, they're foils to each other, and they play off each other really well. And I do think that they help develop each other's character a lot more. Most definitely, they bounce off each other a lot. She, well, she makes up for his shortcomings. Yeah, it's a shame that um, you guys, if you haven't seen Full Metal Alchemist, I swear, <laughs> go go watch Brotherhood. Do it. Yeah. I mean. She's she, she's portrayed as a badass in both, so yes. Um, I would say she's actually portrayed slightly better in Brotherhood, though. I don't know if it's just because I she got a more complete story in Brotherhood. I'd I guess say that would be it. Yeah, because she's some, she's a lot more fleshed out in Brotherhood, which yeah. gives her you, you know, actually, more. In, in the 2003 Full Metal Alchemist, you really, especially in the beginning, you don't see her very often. No, she's kind of just like an assistant that's assigned to Roy, right? She seems like a secretary, like a secretary at first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's not later until the series in the 2003 Full Metal Alchemist that she actually becomes kind of part of the entire, like, uh, scene? Scenery? Is that the thing I'm thinking of? Background for Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's just and... always there. Yeah. Yeah. What Show. about you, Show? Well, the thing is about what we were talking about in that are females do they need to be realistic or are they just an idealized fantasy um honestly it's not just women it's like men are idealized fantasies a lot of the time especially since anime often incorporates supernatural elements a lot of like you say how um i forget which character but like one character walks into a boat and then blows it all up with a grenade like i mean <laughs> Even if that character was a man, like that's kind of not doesn't really well make sense. So, so the thing is, like, uh, in the entire series for Black Lagoon, uh, the only people who kind of damage Revy are other females, the other strong females, with a few exceptions of like Chang, because Chang is super cool. I love Chang. <laughs> yeah, but like I'm saying that like just like lots of different anime have like single, uh, like just a one single man. Um, killing a huge amount of people. Um, and they also have one single woman killing a huge amount of people, too. Um, I think they're equally um, idealized fantasy. And I don't think... I think it's just the genre, honestly, that of supernatural, that you have these crazy, powerful people that are obviously not realistic, which I think is fine for the genre. Um, so I don't think it's that ba- big of a deal. But... When you go into a genre like, say, uh, school, slice of life, no supernatural elements <laughs> okay. in there, um, then you get like characters that, um, that without the fantasy element, that you can see whether they are strong in a realistic sense or not. Like for me, what I'm thinking of is uh, in Scum's Wish, the main heroine. Hanabi Yasuraoka, which from a dictionary definition of strong, she is not. She's pretty weak um, in that she's indecisive and broken. Um, But I think she's strong in the sense that she's a good female character in that they the story really goes in depth to her mental state. And they really they don't um, treat it as something superficial. They go super in depth. into her problems um into her romantic uh frustrations and it's super nuanced and that's what i love about it is that 
you get to see a, a super detailed portrayal of her going through her problems with, and she actually reaches a resolution. She actually grows and develops and she is a completely different person at the end than from the beginning and it doesn't feel forced or anything. And that is a realistic, like a lot of, uh, I wouldn't know because I'm not a woman, but um, I can imagine a lot of women go through this sort of romantic frustrations. I think it's very uh, realistic to a lot of lived experience. But at the same time, I think the fantasy version of a strong female character still has its place. I still think that both the realistic and the fantasy are equally uh good for their respective genres all right well can i let me inject something so if you if you combine those two things a school and a fantasy setting um i have actually have an example of that a character that i think is strong so hitagi sinjukahara from the monogatari series when you and and the Mon- i think we can all admit that the monogatari series is a fantasy show yeah i mean there's um, like- well depends on how you look at it I mean, there's what? crabs, there's lions, um, birds, like phoenixes. monkeys, monkeys, I mean, monkeys. there's snails, the... oh my math, gosh. math, there's also math, don't forget math, and snakes, don't forget snakes. That's right. I mean, math. for the majority of the show, though, Senjo Gahara is not supernaturally inclined. That's true, that's true, but my, my point is that, like, Hitagi is a character that is, like, very, she's very mentally strong, but she's physically weak. And I think that throughout the throughout the development of the Monogatari series, um, through especially through her, you know, romance with Koyomi and um, like helping him through all of his shit, she becomes so much stronger for doing that to the point where she and the hardest thing for her to do from the outset of the Monogatari series is to let her guard down and let someone else in. And then eventually that's what happens is she becomes so comfortable around other people is that she drops her guard and she lets them in. And I think for, for someone that started out like, like she did with so closed off from everyone to come to that point where you're so open with everyone is kind of a strength. Well, I'd say from the very beginning, she's very stoic, you know, uh, when she, even when she first uh, has to deal with uh, that priest dude, when she was, you know, that thing that happened and it was super terrible. She's just like, yeah, no, fuck this noise, right? <laughs> and and even when she's enduring the uh, the the her her conundrum, her issue, and she meets uh Araragi, she again just just endures all of it. And she even when she's explaining to him like what happened and how she's just basically like, yeah, it is what it is. There's no hope. And, and I would say there's a lot of mental fortitude. Yes. However, yeah. I, there's also like this very gentle girl on the inside that's also like just you know she she's she's still a girl on the inside you know it's very realistic she she may seem like she's strong on the outside but it's just she's not tapping into her emotions properly and it wasn't until she met Araragi that she started doing that and that's when she started lowering her guard expressing herself more and actually being comfortable around everyone right being yeah. more of a person yeah and it, well i mean it really comes to a head in the second part of Warrior Monogatari where her and Araragi are driving down the road together, and she just looks at him and says, "Call me by my name." And he says, "Senja Gahara." She's like, "No, my first name." And he says, "Hitagi." And he's like, "Thank you." <laughs> it's like that's like she finally she finally let her guard down enough where like she's like yeah, I'm yours and you're mine. I'm good with this. Yeah. Until we get that uh, NTR thing that I was talking about earlier, right? Uh no, fuck that. Fuck that noise. Like listen, I know listen, listen. Hitagi's not the best girl in the Monogatari series, but Hitagi and Araragi are the best couple. Okay. Um so Chinoda. Yo. Are are portrayals of strong women in anime realistic? Uh, I think that very certain characters can be, but I think most of the time they're not because a good amount of them just tend to be a bit outlandish. They tend to be out there. They they they're propped up is the thing as more than uh more than life. Okay. So okay. I don't think they're extremely realistic, but I think there are realistic sides and tendencies all these strong characters do have. Like a heart of gold 
Yeah. Strong exactly. bonds of friendship. Oh, gosh. Nakama. <laughs> Ori no Nakama. <sighs> I mean, real talk, like, it, stuff like that can be, uh, can be just that. That's, I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right. I mean, there's not there's nothing wrong with that either. Either. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> I gotta ask this. There was no other way for me to shoehorn this in. I I gotta know why you wrote the Nichijou girls down here. Right. I couldn't. I could not so, think of a segue to get into this. But let's let's end it with your talk about the Nichijou girls. So I I wanted to talk about the Nichijou girls, Yuko, Mio, Mai, Hakase, and Nano for um, a split second about strong female leads and how I believe they are not strong female leads. They are basic bitches. <laughs> However, because they are basic bitches, when with all their powers combined, they become Nichijo. And Nichijo is fucking random and I love it. I don't know so why. So they're like it's like it's like Captain Nichijo by Captain your powers Nichijou. combined. That's yeah. So the thing about um the the five girls that I li- is that five? Yeah, five girls that I listed is that you know Yuko, she's the idiot. Mio, she's kind of the one who Sukomes, right? She's the one who with the comebacks. Mai, she's just a fucking troll. She does whatever the fuck she wants. She's completely random. Hakase is the uh just like a genius girl that just again, she's like super smart, but she's also a child, right? And it, it's a weird dynamic. And she creates Nano, someone who's super innocent, right? And and these five characters combine to make a really good dynamic of a really memorable show for me. Even though they themselves are not strong individually, like if I just saw one of them, I would be like, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, Yuko, she's just st- the stupid girl, like Aho girl, right?" Uh, well, fuck, what was her name? Banana girl. Banana, banana, banana. <laughs> and, and it's just stupid girl, and, and it's super tropey. And I'm just like, "Yeah, there's plenty of stupid girls in anime. I don't really care about that." But how Yuko interacts with Mio, Mai, and eventually Hakusei and Nano, it, it creates this like huge power up where i'm like oh my god this show is so fucking funny (laughs) and it's not just the slapstick humor or anything but it's just they all reflect on each other really well to create an impact an impact for the show that's all i wanted to say they themselves individually are not good because again yuko's an idiot mio's a fujoshi right she draws fujoshi and she's just kind of sukome right and no one really likes sukome characters if they don't have the um the joke teller first can't really have a Sukome if you don't have a, a joke teller and, it, and Mai's place is actually a little bit weird in my opinion because she kind of exists to be the random out of all right something happened we need to take this to the fucking extreme Mai, do something and then she does right like like when they're playing like what rock paper scissor and then she hits her with the statue <laughs> yes god god is god. dead <laughs> And I love it. And then uh, in, in betweens with Hakase and Nano, how they're just dicking around where Hakase just like creates something super weird. And then Nano kind of succumbs to that. But then she doesn't know how to react because she's like, I don't know what's happening. Hakase, please stop. You're going to destroy the earth. And it's just they all work together so well to create a really impactful show. That It's almost like you're watching five different parts of an individual personality. Yeah, together, and that's why I said with their five powers combined, they are Captain Nichijo. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely you forgot the you forgot the best girl in the show though. What Sundari girl? Sakamoto. What? Sakamoto. 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 The cat. He's not a girl. <laughs> that's the joke. <laughs> yeah, but see, the problem with Sakamoto, I would say, in the show is that he's not very integral to the storytelling, right? He kind of he comes in and out of some episodes where he's kind of in there, and he kind of is just does retorts, you know, the Sukome. But that's about it. He, he He's not really a dynamic that fits in with the rest of the crowd. Like when, uh, when was it? Was it Yuko? Yuko and Mio when they try to pet Mai's dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah, and they keep getting bit. <laughs> yeah, and they shoot the lasers. <laughs> I like Nichijou. How to abuse your animation budget. I, I like Nichijou quite a lot. <laughs> oh, man. I had to ask that because I saw that on this doc that we're using. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to segue to that, but I got to eventually. Yeah, I, I meant to bring it up um, earlier on when we were talking about how people play off each other. I, I probably should have put it in um, way earlier. The second thing we said, the, the Mary Sue thing, yeah. I guess. 
But it it was just an example of how individually they're not strong, but together they are kind of deal. That that was it. All right. Well, fair enough. I think that's a great way to end this. Yeah, Nietzsche's good. Uh, Go watch agree. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the way to end this show, Nietzsche's fucking good. Go watch it. It's got a lot of good female characters in it. <laughs> well, again, they're not good by themselves, but they're great together. Now, Captain if you Nietzsche want show. actually really amazing uh female characters go watch daily life of high school boys no <laughs> daily lives of funky high school girls come on come on you gotta get it right no no because that's where they are they exist in there god damn it we didn't talk we didn't talk once about literature girl god this is a terrible oh, episode no. god damn it oh god all right oh leave us out alex Yes, thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed this because we always enjoy bringing it to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Discord server, become a member of our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our website. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns on this or any episode, feel free to choose an email. Links to all of these things will be down below in the description. I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. I'm going to get back to making a pirate bard for my new uh, Pathfinder game. It's going to be great. I'm going to be singing sea shanties. Chnoda, nobody cares. <laughs>